That's not of God. The way that has been twisted, in my opinion, comes from the pit of hell. The roots go back to the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden? There's a temptation. There's a twisting of Scripture. There was a devaluing of Eve in the process. You go to the 40 days that Jesus was fasting in the wilderness. And what was the issue there? A twisting of Scripture in a way that would cause Jesus to take steps or or the, the, the temptation for Jesus to take shortcuts, to take steps, to look out for His own well-being for number one rather than looking out for others the twisting that we have when it comes to the teachings in many churches in this region or some churches in this region some streams of theology in this region concerning headship and submission has to do with uh, looking out for number one putting the men as though they were the god in the home rather than god being the god over the home And anytime you do that, you're looking for trouble. It's a warped view. causes a lot of pain. And so this morning, just uh, uh, we're we're starting a series, a family series, where we're going to be looking at anchors in the storm for families. We're going to address some things that make it difficult for families to be healthy, for families to be godly, for families to truly reflect what God intended for the family. And this is, we're going to start out with a big one. For our region. Let's just pray a second. Lord, uh, this morning as we look at this theme, I pray I stand against all guilt and condemnation. Lord, our desire is to be more aligned with your purpose for us in our homes, in our families, in our relationships of husbands and wives. Lord, I pray that you would heal our past and that you would give us ears to hear your desire for us in the home. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have, uh, give us understanding spirits this morning as we look at this uh, theme that you intended to be a blessing and which has become such, uh, just such a, a warped, uh, uh, abusive system in many homes and in many families. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just start out with... Uh, let me start out with the uh, uh, why a warped understanding of submission and headship is so destructive. It, it just destroys families. It, indro- it destroys uh, marriages. It destroys relationships between parents and children. It's just a destructive thing that's been released in the body of Jesus. I won't say that Rebecca and I have sorted this all out. But I will say that we have worked through what it means, what submission, what headship means. Uh, I'm pretty happy with where we're at in our relationship. Uh, As we talk with people, as folks have observed us, I would hope that you can see that we have joy. We like being together. Uh, We continue to grow together. Uh, We look out for each other. Our home is a home where you find peace, you find joy, you find uh, contentment. We're in a journey. Even though we have gotten to that place, we're in a journey. We continue to learn and grow in these areas. But when we have this a warped understanding of headship, 
warped understanding of submission, it leads to abusive and controlling relationships. There are many places that uh, people sit and talk with folks. They understand the words, but not the concepts. They can tell you what Scripture says, but they don't practice it. They don't live it out. They don't really get it. You see, this headship submission isn't about the man being in charge and everything revolves around him and the wife having to follow uh, whatever the man says. We all know families like that, right? Pretty much anywhere you go where that's been taught. There are women who suffer tremendously because of that. And men who are abusive and think they're being godly as they abuse their wives and destroy their homes. See, that's twisted. I've told you before, a couple of years ago, I was praying at night and and, uh, I was praying especially for uh, our home I was praying for Rebecca and the Lord broke through and he, he spoke to me and, and I was you know I like when God speaks to me sometimes not always he's very direct with me uh, gets my attention and uh, you know, I, I'm a little stubborn so he has to speak pretty sternly sometimes but as I was praying for Rebecca the Lord says take care of my daughter See, I, I would have hoped he'd say, take care of your wife. But he said, take care of my daughter. And that just really shook me to the foundation. It's not, when we talk about headship and submission, it's, guys, let me tell you something. We're not talking about your wife. We're talking about God's daughter. And that's a very different starting point women I want you to know something God sees you as his daughter and when you are in a situation that's abusive when you're in a situation that's controlling where you're in a situation that devalues who you are it grieves the heart of God he's not pleased we need to start with that and I want to start with God's best not how things have been twisted and devolved around us. It warps headship into an abusive and controlling relationship. It warps submission into bondage. Where the wife, the mom, the sister has to do anything and everything just because somebody who isn't actually godly, if they were godly they wouldn't be abusing and controlling and doing the rest of that. If they really understood that we're talking about a daughter of God himself they wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. And it warps things so that women feel they have to submit to the whims of people who are not particularly acting in a godly way. That's a problem. That's not what God intended. That's not the pattern that we have in Scripture. 
is a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit that causes us to, well, start looking at the statistics. And we see all of the, the statistics of in the world, but then we see that in the church. And we see that the difference between what is abusive behavior in the world is very similar to what we have in the church. And it's like, what difference does it make to follow Jesus? What difference does it make to follow Jesus? What difference does it make in my life if I cannot be like Jesus in relationship to the person I most care about? There's a thought. You see, the uh, bottom line here has to do with how much like Jesus are we, guys? How much like Jesus are we when we treat, the way we treat our wives, the way we treat our moms, and the way we treat... Our sisters. And for the women who are here, how well do you trust the relationships that you have with the men in your life? Husband, father, and so forth. One of the things that we have going on in our society is that trust is broken down. Women do not trust men. That's why there are so many of these movements that are uh, just, just, just you, you, you see the results and it's like, whoa, this is really icky. How would people, you know, this people, women should not be feeling this way. And the truth is they shouldn't, but they do because we have not taken our rightful roles as men in the lives of the women around us. We have not loved, we have not cared for, we have not truly understood their value. And I know it's Mother's Day, but at the end I'm going to give you a football illustration. And uh, moms, you're just going to have to hang in here with me. The difference between submission and bondage is respect. Hebrews 12.9 Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our Heavenly Father and live forever? The difference between lording between headship and lording over, guys, is is love and respect. If we don't have love and we don't respect, and I know there's a great uh, teaching we've used it here, love and respect, and and women want to be loved and men want to respect it, be respected. But I want to tell you something: we need to love and respect our wives. We need to love and respect our moms. We need to love and respect our sisters. We need to love and respect our daughters. And when that is missing, all that we're doing is lording it over them. Jesus was pretty clear about that not being a good thing. In fact, he got pretty upset about it. I don't have time to get into that, but you can look that up. The difference between headship and lording it over is that with headship, there is love. There is respect. There is is more of a role and function as opposed to a lording over, being in charge, being the one that does no wrong. Submitting is not the, oh, I have to do anything and everything I'm told. Submitting is joining in the authority of the person that you're submitting to. You got a job. And you go to work. And you have a, 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 a boss. Okay? You go to work and, and, and there are certain things you're supposed to do. And when you do them you are stepping into the authority of your boss. I could point out any number of people here and call that out, but, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, cabinet shop. You, know, you have a certain role and function. 
However, because you work for somebody who is getting the orders, who is getting them out, your role, you are, you are stepping into the authority, into the production. You are part of, it's not just you doing whatever little, uh, whatever it is that you do in, in, the, in the cabinet shop. You know, you can look at it and say, well, I just do this or I just do that. No, you're part of the production system and you're part of the authority. And Wayne, I've seen that in your life as you made the last shift in employment, as you stepped into a place that valued you for what you do, what uh, pulling you into the authority of the shop. It changes everything, doesn't it? That's what I'm talking about. Because when you submit, it's not about men and women, it's about the, uh, the concept of submission. When you are in submission to someone, when you are in, you're, you're basically joining up with them, you're joining in with them, you're stepping into the same authority that they have. Jesus submitted to the Father. What was the difference between Jesus and the Father? See, this is what I'm talking about. Jesus submitted to the Father, and because he submitted to the Father, anything and everything he saw the Father do, he did. That complete and total authority, just like the Father did. He stepped into the same authority. When someone submits to us, we take on greater responsibility. When I realize that uh, we're making a decision and Rebecca says, well, whatever you say, you know, it's kind of one of those 50-50 deals. And and there's some things that I look to her to make the 50-50 call. And there are things she looks to me to make the 50-50 call. And when she says, it's up to you, I'm like, you know, it's a little bit of fear and trembling because usually those are bigger decisions. And it's like, boy, I'm responsible. It's on me. Just just because she agrees then and says, yes, I agree. I'm in favor of that. Let's do it. And we're in it together. The fact that I took response, that I took the lead on something like that causes me greater to have greater responsibility. It's not a matter then of saying, well, you told me, you did. No, it's on me. So let's let the Bible talk for itself here. There's uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to go through uh, the end of chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4, because I believe that we can learn some things about how the Bible uh, would structure a family system. Characteristics of true submission and leadership. How they function together results in certain things. Let's look at this. First of all, it develops caring relationships. If you don't have a caring relationship, you probably have an issue of headship and submission somewhere. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. You wives must submit to your husbands. See, and that's where some people just stop. They learn that part of the verse and they just stop. And, they, and that's their whole theology of relationship in the home. And anytime you catch someone like that, you know they've got some family issues because it doesn't matter how quiet and submissive the wife is on the outside, on the inside, it's not working. You know, guys, just, 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 take, my, just, just take my word on this one. If you haven't noticed it, uh, we'll talk about it later. But it says, you wives must submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And you husbands... See, I, I've yet, I've yet to, 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 to see this part in the, when we get the twisted submission, headship stuff. The second part of this verse hardly ever comes up. In fact, I, I'll, I'll put it out there, and it usually either shuts down the, the, uh, uh, the conversation, or I've had some pretty intense uh, responses about 
uh, as, as a result of this next part, verse 19. And you husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. So I hear, my wife needs to be submitted to me. And I'm like, so how do you treat her? Well, no, the Bible says, no, how do you treat her? It's not about just, you know, the Bible says, therefore, my wife must. And, and this is Mother's Day, but I'm, I'm, I'm hitting some of you guys here uh, in case, in case, in case you, I can help you. It's, it's not about the Bible saying what your wife should do. The Bible's telling you guys what you should do. Don't treat her harshly. That's, that's a good start. Um, love your wives. It's more than just being nice and kind on Mother's Day and her birthday and maybe your anniversary. It's constant, year-round, every day. Number two, we read verses 20 and 21. You children must obey your parents. For this is what pleases the Lord. Okay, see, see the same combination going on here. And so, again, it's another one in parenting. And I've had some of these with parenting. My children don't obey me. You know, I tell them to do stuff and they don't do it. Yeah, and, 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 and people can get pretty upset about it. I mean, the Bible says that my children should... It's like, like, like your children are reading the Bible, but in, in ways, you know, like you're expecting them to read the Bible and follow that. Why? Just, just, just asking. Just asking. Because apparently you're missing the next part. It says fathers, and, and often here in Scripture, when it says fathers, it says uh, it, it, it's both fathers and mothers, parents, okay? It's, 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 uh, let's, let's be uh, careful here that we don't just shift it all to one or the other. It's both. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. <laughs> so they don't listen to you. Mm. How are you treating your kids? How, 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 how much do you aggravate them? Do you really honor them? Do you trust them? Do you, have you encouraged them? Just, just questions, you know, just questions. And, and, and again, here's, here, here's, these are themes where just questions can get you in some real uh, interesting conversations. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. If they do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. Hmm. It helps us feel encouraged rather than feel like quitting. You know, we talked about how in our marriage we have chosen never to use uh, uh, the, 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 the word divorce in our relationship. as something that we committed to before we were married. And, and, and we've hit some rough patches. We have. But the thing that has always gotten us through is more than just a commitment not to take that step. I mean, you can make that commitment and things can still fly apart and things happen and people change. But it takes more than that. It's about encouraging each other. There are things that we have gone through, things that we still carry. Yesterday, uh, there was, uh, we, we, were, we were talking about some things and, and it just... Something came over me. It just felt like, like a depression that I had 21 years ago. Rebecca picked up on that. She prayed for me. And, 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 and it helped me to, to step out of that into a better place. We do that for each other. We encourage each other. Otherwise, it's easy to quit. It's easy to start spiraling down and end up where? Nowhere good. Verse 22. You slaves must obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Now, now is, is, is this is the same category of 
husbands, wives, parents, children, now slaves and masters. We're, we're really pushing, Paul's really pushing the, the, the margins here, the limits on when he starts talking about slaves and masters. You must obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Obey them willingly because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So you end up in a really tough spot. You end up in slavery. You end up being in, in a job, that, in, in a workplace where it's really oppressive. You end up in relationships that just aren't working in the home. You end up in these difficult situations. And, 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 and Paul says, you know, even slave master, you try to carry on. You try to relate because of your reverent fear of the Lord. You work as unto the Lord, Paul says. You work as unto the Lord. The, 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 the slave is, you know, the, there's still slavery today. It's a horrible thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that, that you read through this and, and, and you talk with people. You hear people who work with folks who have been uh, uh, trafficked and so forth. And uh, the, the, the counsel that we have here biblically is also an interesting one in, in those settings. And people have worked with that as ways of how to help people not only uh, manage life in such a terrible situation, but even gain freedom. But at any rate, the, with the reverent fear of the Lord, it creates what? It creates trust. It creates trust. Otherwise, what is there? If Rebecca doesn't trust me, what do we have? If I don't trust her, what do we have? Go back to the right to, to Moses. Go back to Jesus' teaching on marriage and divorce. And the heart becomes hardened. And when the heart becomes hardened, the Bible tells us that's pretty much the end of the relationship. Call it what it is, Jesus basically says, when the heart becomes hardened. Just just call it what it is. Let's be honest. Pharisees had all kinds of nuances that, that wanted to keep women in bondage and, and the men with uh, an ability to uh, get rid of whatever wife they had and find another one and all kinds of stuff like that. But Jesus said, call it what it is. When the heart is hardened, it's over. What is the biggest thing that will harden our hearts? Lack of trust. Lack of trust. Sometimes trust is broken. But then our, what's on us is to find ways to rebuild that trust. Because if we don't rebuild the trust, sooner or later, our hearts will become hardened, more and more hardened to the point that nothing exists anymore. And at that point, uh, whether you stay living in the same house or not, you've got the same result. Two people going different directions, different lives. What's the point of pretending? Verse 23, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. It increases our enjoyment in our roles and our functions. Uh, we, in our home, we've divided out some things, some things we do together, some things Rebecca does, some things I do. And we have some things that have the gender-specific kinds of things. I enjoy yard work, and she has uh, uh, less enjoyment in that. Uh, she has... Uh, um, uh, what do you call that when you, the pollen stuff? Allergies. She has allergies, so I don't want her out in the, out in the yard with getting all these, uh, all the pollen and lots and lots of allergies. So I take care of the yard. I enjoy it. It's fun. I'm looking forward to her grandson being old enough to help me in the yard. And by that, I mean play in the dirt, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
but I also do the wash. I do the wash because, well, she did it for many years, and, and one day we just switched roles because it made more sense for me to do it with our schedules. And I continue to do that. Um, you know, is, that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? No. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's neither good or bad. It's, 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 neither, it's neither good or bad. Wow. <clears throat> What's that? You can do some help with wash. Let's see. One, two, three. <laughs> but it's not a matter of who should do what. It's, see, it, it, we can get stuck in, in certain things. That it's a man's role, it's a woman's role. That's what we should do because the husband and the wife and, and all of that. Uh, we were down to see our, our grandson. And, uh, you know, oh, he's cute, Rebecca says. He's adorable. And, and so, actually, we got, to, we, we got to take care of him for a whole night so that uh, our son and daughter-in-law could actually rest uh, after long labor and they're trying to move and buying a house and they're just frazzled beyond imagination. So we took him for a night and, and you know, it was so nice. He'd wake up. Now, when, when we had our own sons, we, we sorted things out a little differently. I got the midnight uh, uh, hour to, to try to feed our sons. And we had one that would just, you know, he'd, he'd take a couple of sips and, and just doze off. And we didn't have all this new uh, uh, you know, parents now have a lot of counsel about how to help with these things. And so it could take two to three hours to get two ounces into this kid. And, and that was my shift. Uh, but the night that we had our grandson, it was like, you know what, we, we just enjoyed it. We, we were more awake than asleep. We just held him. We, we, we cuddled with him. It was, you held him. I could lie there with grandson on my chest and just, oh, I felt so nice. But things change. Our roles and functions change as life, uh, as, as life progresses. And the point here isn't that, that we have, you know, there's, there's guys' roles and women's roles. It's sorting it out so we can enjoy the roles that we have, so we can function together. And there's some things neither one of us like. We both hate to do it, so we both do it together, which, you know, actually thinking about that, Rebecca, we, we should talk about that. Uh, both of us, you know, what happens when husband and wife are doing something neither one of them like to do? That's a good moment for a conflict. We're going to address that. Uh, we're, <laughs> I, what I'm thinking is that Rebecca will be doing those things. Oh, I think I'm going to get to do it now after the, that comment. But as you sort these things out, you begin to enjoy certain roles and functions. You begin to enjoy uh, seeing the other flourish in that. When, when I'm working on the yard and I come in, I feel good. I'm happy. And especially since, you know, once uh, plants are planted and the flowers are coming out, free flowers. I mean, guys, you can't beat that, you know. Uh, and I say, Rebecca, these flowers are for you. And uh, I hope she likes that. Verse 24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. Is Christ. It provides healthy perspective. You see, when, when, when we talk about headship and, and, uh, and submission, it doesn't just mean Rebecca submits to me and I'm the head over her. Now, actually, what we're talking about here is that Christ is the one that we 
both submit to. We both submit to the same place, the same one, Jesus Christ. That's our headship. That's the true place where authority comes from. It is uh, a perspective that we need in our homes too often. And with the headship being, this is the headship. And, 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 you know, I've learned so much over 40-some years of marriage that I'm embarrassed by things that uh, I expected or thought early on. It just wasn't right. Just things that you kind of think and once you're married, you try it out and discover it doesn't work. And then you either uh, hunker down and keep pushing or you stop and learn and change. And we chose the learn and change uh, direction. But it establishes healthy perspective. Number six, it establishes proper boundaries. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God is no favorites of who can get away with evil. Here's the deal. If you're abusive to someone who is part of God's family, if I would be abusive toward the daughter of the king, uh, that's not a good thing. I'm going to be in trouble. If I keep the daughter of the king in bondage, I'm the one that's going to be held responsible for that. And we need to understand that there's some boundaries some boundaries of our behavior. There's some boundaries of what we do. There are things that I do and things I don't do because I love Rebecca. I want what's best for her. I want her to be able to trust me whenever and wherever I go. And so there are habits I've developed. There are things that I do that she can count on. There are things that I don't do she can count on because otherwise trust breaks and we need to rebuild that. And that happens sometimes. It's just a matter of rebuilding and knowing you have to, that that's what leads to blessing. Number seven is part of a real accountability. Again, you, you slave owners. Remember about the slaves with the masters? Now Paul starts meddling with the slave owners. And he says, you slave owners must be just and fair to your, your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Wow. Paul's pretty clear about this. Yeah, slaves, you better do work as unto the Lord. You better, you know, these are things. But slave masters, remember, that same relationship you have with your slaves, God has with you. Whoa. And that's where that word I heard that night, take care of my daughter, hit me so hard. Because it's like, all right, you know, she's my daughter. The way you treat her. Huh? See where I'm going with that? Just let it go there. Number eight, it keeps our focus on God's purpose. Colossians 4, uh, 2 to 4. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Don't forget to pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to preach about his secret plan. That Christ is also for you Gentiles. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. What's the focus? Focus keeps coming back to God's purpose. It doesn't matter what we are doing in life. It doesn't matter what our circumstances in life. We can be in chains in prison. We can be free from prison. We can be uh, uh, famous and and wealthy. We can be uh, just working minimum wage and, and working two jobs at the same time. 
It really doesn't make any difference what our circumstance is in life. God has a purpose for each one of us. And as long as we keep God's purpose in in focus in our lives, as long as Rebecca and I keep coming back to what is God's purpose for us together, it keeps pulling us together. When we go through pre-marriage counseling with uh, couples, we use a curriculum that starts out with uh, uh, what is God's call in your life individually. And then we start to meddle. And the next thing is, what is God's call on your life together? Why is God wanting you to get married? What is God's purpose for the two of you being husband and wife? And too many people have never asked that question, don't really, haven't really thought through, why is it that God called you together? What is God's purpose for the two of you being one? What is it that God, not, not just what does, is God's purpose for the husband and what is God's purpose for the wife? But what is God's purpose for the, actually having the two of you together? And when we sort through that, we start building some foundations, some basis that, that, that help us to keep building, to, that we can keep coming back to. There are certain things that God has called us to. God has called us together in, in, in certain ways. And, and when things start getting rocky, when things start getting rough, we will sit down together and we'll talk about, let's talk about what God's purpose is for our lives. How is this working out? What do we need to change? What's happening? What, 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 what should we do? What could we do to get us back on track to God's purpose for us together? Because that's a sweet spot in a husband and wife relationship. And it matures, it, it modifies our lifestyle. Live wisely among those who are not Christians. And make the most of every opportunity we don't have to do everything everybody does. We don't have to uh, try to, to, to please others in ways that doesn't fit who we are. It modifies our lifestyles. And we become uh, more comfortable with each other. There's no place I'd rather be than with my wife. I mean, this is just the, 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 the most comfortable, content moment, place. I could be. There are lots of people. I like lots of people, but there's no one like Rebecca. And that's because over the years we have modified our lifestyles to become, so we, we, we learn to enjoy what the other enjoys, and there are things that, that we have uh, uh, not pursued because the other one doesn't dance, you know, so Rebecca no longer dances. Uh, we modify our lifestyle. Some, some of you got that one, right? Someone's trying to change that. No, we have modified our lifestyle, Chris. <laughs> and number 10, it matures our communication. Let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answers for everyone. Four steps to proper headship and submission in the home. Here, here, here are four things I want you to remember when you hear headship and submission. And I'm only using those words... I. I Other places, I probably wouldn't even use those words, but because they're so prevalent in this region, I'm landing on them pretty heavy because you hear them, and they get used like hammers uh, against other people, and it's just not a a good thing, but four steps. Learn to appreciate each other's contributions. What does the other contribute? It's easy enough to just take it for granted. How about saying thank you? Sometimes, or something that your husband or wife is supposed to do, or something that your children are supposed to do. 
Just be gracious. Appreciate each other's contributions. Number two, look out for number two. <laughs> the world tells us look out for number one. See, did I come up with something here for this one? Yeah, I found a... You know how hard it was to find something that would fit with this point? Everything. You go, go, go to Google uh, Images and type in, look out for number two. Nothing. I mean, not, at least nothing that, that, that fits. Look out for number one. I mean, they've got all kinds of images for looking out for number one, all kinds of sayings for looking out for number one. See, that's what the world pushes. Look out for yourself. Do what's best for yourself. That's not going to get you anywhere. You see, the bottom line on what is proper headship and proper submission is looking out for number two. If you're head of the home, you're going to look out for your wife. If you're... uh, Submitted, submitted to uh, your husband or whoever else you work for or whatever that submission role is, you're looking out for that person. Look out for number two. Look out for the other person. Treat her like a queen. Treat him like a king. You can look in Mark chapter 10, the power of serving, uh, how, how important that is. Mark 10, 43 to 45, if you have the time. Number three, develop a long fuse and a short memory. Again, Google search. Images. There's a lot in there about having a short fuse and a long memory. Apparently that's the thing. You go off easily on others and you remember it forever. And, and, and that's, that's apparently a thing somewhere. Uh, the Bible wouldn't support that a whole lot. It's have a short fuse. Don't a long fuse. Don't 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 go off too quickly. Let your anger, don't let the sun set on your anger. Let things go. Let things play out. And have a short memory. Something comes up and every once in a while we have these conversations. And I'll say to Rebecca, uh, you know, I'm really sorry about whatever happened even yesterday. And she'll look at me like, so that's over, that's past. Just forget it. It's not there anymore. Having short memories does wonders for your marriage. Number four, expect more of yourself and less of your partner. Let me give you the football analogy I promised. Um, it's, uh, we find that in 1 Peter 3, 7 for you guys uh, to look up. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Four things. Football analogy. Guys, how to treat your wife. Remember, first of all, that your wife is the franchise player. All right? Your wife is the franchise player. And in this case, there's no backup. You know, she's a franchise player. Treat her as the most important player on the team. Give her special treatment. All the perks you can imagine that the that the franchise player gets. You know, the franchise player always gets more than the rest of the people on the uh, on the team. They get perks. They get uh, uh, special, all kinds of special treatment. Our middle son was a uh, an outstanding high school wrestler, and uh, oh my word. 
I'd, I'd heard these stories about how schools uh, just go out of their way for the really, 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 really elite athletes. And this was wrestling. I figured, you know, football, uh, maybe uh, uh, he's a wrestler. And so, you know, he gets sick, and it's the day before a match, and, and uh, the, the rule is uh, that if you're not in school that day, you can't wrestle the next uh, on a weekend. And so I get a phone call from the assistant principal. The assistant principal says, uh, notice that uh, Andres wasn't in school today. And I started getting ready to explain, you know, he's sick and et cetera, et cetera. And he says, but, but hopefully he'll be feeling better tomorrow. I just marked him down as being here. I'm like, what? How does this work? Where does that happen? See, that's what happens if you're the franchise player. Husbands, your wife is the franchise player. You cover for her. See, the headship is you cover for her. What does Jesus do for us? He covers us. He covers for us. Guys, your job is to cover for your wife. Make the second one. Make sure that she knows that she is capable of calling the plays. You don't want your quarterback out there unable to call plays because he's only going to do what you signal in from the sidelines. There's a football team nearby, close by here who had a coach who would signal in every play for every down and uh, Chip is no longer there. Uh, They just lost and lost and lost. It was no good. Now that same team has a franchise quarterback who can... See, call his own plays. He can, depending on what's happening, uh, he doesn't have to check with a coach. He just goes with it because they're together enough. The coach and the quarterback are together enough on what they're doing. That the coach trusts the quarterback, and the quarterback knows it's okay to do it. It's not going to get in trouble. If he messes up, they talk about it. You know, make sure she knows she can call the plays. You know, if you have a wife that has to check in with the husband all the time about every decision, that's a problem. The wife needs to know. You know, that doesn't have to wait for you to get home. She can call the play. She can handle things just fine. Protect her like enough offensive lineman protecting the quarterback. That's our job, to protect. To protect. And the last one is know what the rules are to protect her from injury. Uh, it really comes down to two things. Headship, guys, is about to what extent does my wife see Jesus in me? I can get up and preach. We can go to other countries and I can preach. I can impress people because they don't know me. I mean, even here, you know, a lot of you know me pretty well. Tend to be a little more open. Uh, but you, know, you go to places and it's easy to impress because they don't know you. But it really comes down to headship is about does, does, does Rebecca see Jesus in me? Am I relating to her the way Jesus would? And when I don't, That's on me. I'm coming up short. The other question, the submission question is, do I trust my husband?
Do I trust my husband? And what causes her to trust me? What causes Rebecca to trust me? Because I bless her. I release her. I cover for her. I'm there when she needs me. She trusts me. And when that trust starts to break down, it needs to be repaired. Today is Mother's Day, and I know this goes way beyond some nice, sappy Mother's Day message. I don't know how to preach those. But I think it's one of those anchors that we need in our families. None of us will ever get it completely. But here's the thing. We can improve. We can change. We can learn. We can become better at this. After 40-some years, we have learned a lot of stuff, but there's still things that we are working on. Because I want my marriage. I want our marriage. We want our marriage to be even better after 50 years and after 60 years than it is today. So I want to bless you all. If you're married, if you're not married, here's a thing for the youth who are here, for those who are not married. uh, You're looking for, as you are attracted to, these are principles that are really important. It's not a matter of how cute his eyes are. It's not how nice her hair is. It's about these principles. It's about these principles. Because guys, you know, she's going to get married. She's gonna, for those of you who are younger, she's going to get married. You get married. Has children. Suddenly the long hair is a problem. So it's gone. And if you're looking at her pretty hair, uh, you're going to be really disappointed. And for you not young ladies, let me tell you something. You know, he might have the most gorgeous eyes. But the day's coming, he's going to need glasses. And especially if you let him get his own glasses, that's just going to ruin the look. And What's that? No, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm doing fine, right? It's this other stuff that matters. It's this other stuff that really, really matters. God, just one more word for those who may be going through a tough time. God did not call you to live in bondage. He called you to live in freedom. And that's something that we're committed to walking with you to find that freedom and unhook from the bondage because that's the only thing that's the only thing that will make the next season of family life worthwhile I'd like you to stand as I bless you this morning Lord I thank you that you've called us you've called us to uh, freedom you've called us to good relationships 
You've called us, Lord, to enjoy life with others that we call family. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us step by step how to have a better marriage relationship. That you would teach us, Lord, how to find freedom where we've been in bondage. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us these principles. And I pray that you would help us to live them out. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stay where we are. Prayer team, We just stay where you are. And we'll worship together as we dismiss.